Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What is up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy coming at you. I recorded this particular podcast really early in the morning, so apologize if my voice sounds like crap, but we got it done. Today, I am very excited because we interview Oreyu Lagogo, who is actually the in-country director in Kenya. So when I was doing an expedition in Kenya, part of the choice team that was there was, is all run by Oreyu. I wanted to bring Oreyu on to talk about how this all works, how choice works in country and talk about how they set this up, how they determine what villages they go to, how we as engineers can take a, a larger role in helping communities because poverty is a big deal. And these communities definitely have needs that you have probably never seen before. So we talk all about it. Oreyu has a finance degree. He worked here in the United States in finance for quite some time, but felt a draw to get back to Kenya to help there. And he's been running as the director over there in Kenya for the last five years, it sounds like, as he's coming up on that. So this was really exciting for me. I connected with Oreyu when I went on my own expedition and his team that he has there. They're all wonderful people. I could interview any one of them, and it would be a really fun interview. I've also interviewed Jen Dyer, who is a director with Choice Humanitarian here in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I'm at and where Choice's headquarters are at. But anyway, we talk all about his the in-house team, how the Kenya team works, how they know which villages to go to, how they can work with the community and the government. And I just really thought it was a, a fun episode to do. Hopefully it gives you some insight as to how these humanitarian trips work and really how you can make a difference as an engineer or just a volunteer to go on an expedition or even just to help in any way possible, whether it's just through donations to Choice Humanitarian or any organization. But poverty is real. There's a huge need out there for clean water, for better nutrition, and for good education. And we talk all about it in this episode. So I hope you enjoy this. I enjoyed doing it with the radio, and it's going to be coming up right after this. Hey, have you struggled to find time to actually read a book? I know I have. Life is busy, four kids, all of that jazz. It makes it really hard to actually sit down and read a book. So you know what I turned to? I turned to Audible. And we have an affiliate with them. If you go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E, you can jump on and find your favorite titles to go anywhere with you. Use that link. You'll get 30 days for free. You'll also get a couple of credits. And if you're already a Prime member, you'll get two credits, which is good for some premium selection titles that you can actually keep. But go check them out. I really have enjoyed Atomic Habits by James Clear, which gives you an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. They've got fun ones like Dune that are on there and tons of others. So if you're in the hunt to find time in your day to listen to books, definitely give them a shot. Go to civilengineeringacademy.com slash audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E. And go get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Go check them out. 
Hey guys, if you haven't already, I want to let you know about our awesome newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the Civil Engineering Academy newsletter, seriously, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Go check it out though. You'll get all the latest episodes that we produce, blog articles, exams, discounts, course material. All this fun stuff is through our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up, go check it out. That's civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter. You'll be taken. Go sign up. And uh, you'll start getting our fun newsletters that we send out usually once a week. So go check it out, civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter and go sign up. All right, we are going. Oreyu, thank you for joining the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I really do appreciate you jumping on. I know this is an early morning for me, but it's late in the afternoon for you. But I wanted to connect and talk about uh, what you do in Choice Humanitarian. So thanks for taking the time to do this with me. Yeah, thank you for having me, Isaac. I really appreciate you giving us this opportunity. Yeah, this would be fun. You know, ever since I came back from Kenya, I've always thought of ways that I could spread the word about it and how I could do that. One of those ways is that I interviewed Jen Dyer, who is a director with Choice over here in Salt Lake City, helping to raise funding and all kinds of stuff. And then, Oreyu, you are a, a director as well, but you're in Kenya as part of the Kenya team. And so I guess to start out, could you tell me a little bit more about your own background and how you found yourself as the director of the Kenya Choice team? Thank you. So I've been involved with Choice for about 20 years, uh, maybe a little longer than that. I knew the previous uh, country director, Mama Richa. She was the director for about 21 years as well. Wow. So she was the one who got me involved with Choice. She knew I wanted to give back. She knew I wanted to get involved in community service. And she would allow me to join her when she does expeditions or she's doing a project in the community. And she would let me volunteer my time and my skills. My background is in finance. So I used to help them with keeping the books when they're doing projects and sort of keep track of how things are going. And then I would come to the community and sometimes have an opportunity to talk to students, do mentorship, that kind of thing. And I volunteered in church for several years. And then an opportunity came for me to start working part-time with them uh, in the finance area and the accounting area. And I did that for many, many years. And then when the opportunity came, when she retired, for me to interview for the job, I was very happy with the opportunity I was given and selected after an interview process to take up the role of country director. And it's been uh, a pleasure joining the organization and being able to make a difference. Wow, that's amazing. So you mentioned that you had a degree in finance. So take me through that a little bit. Where did you get your degrees or degree? Was there a, an opportunity to go back to Kenya or what was the choice there? What was going through your head to go back and help with choice? Yeah, after I finished high school, I had an opportunity to apply to Virginia Tech in the US and I was very happy to be accepted. I went there for four years. I got my degree in finance in 2000. And then I worked in Richmond, Virginia, in an investment company for a few years. And over time, I kept reading in The Economist, reading in different uh, magazines about what is happening back home. And I'll talk to my mother and when I talk to my friends back here about what is happening with the country and the opportunities that are opening up and the issues mm. that I felt living in the U.S. were already solved. And I thought that maybe I can come back home and be part of the solution to try and change the narrative, try and do things a little different, try and improve our standard of living, try to work with the people who are in vulnerable situations. Uh, it was just a need to come and 
be part of the change that we hoped to see as we kept moving to the new century. So after working for a few years in the US, I decided to pack my bags and come back home. I also got an MBA in a local university and I've been working basically in and out of community development ever since. Wow. Could you overall, because I know we did an expedition together and that's how we connected, but overall, you know, this draw back to Kenya, what is the overall need? Because some people have no clue what the needs are there. And so from your perspective, I guess what could you describe about the poverty or the food or the water situation that you see as a Kenya team there that people may not be aware of? When we talk about the needs in the community, there are very, very many needs. There are a lot of needs, but now the issue or how we would like to approach the problems or the challenges that we see in the community is to help them see the potential that they have to be part of the solution to the challenges that they experience every day in their lives. So it's a question of coming together, trying to create an environment in which they can have an attitude change towards development, an attitude change towards having a common vision within the community so that they can harness all the resources they have together to try and make a difference for their children. So we work with the community members to be able to organize themselves, to be able to leverage the resources they may have, however scanty they may be, to be able to make a difference in their own lives so that they can attract the right kind of development, they can direct the kind of development that comes their way to address the challenges in health, the challenges in adopting modern agricultural techniques to be able to harness water and be able to improve their own environment so that they can get more rain, be able to conserve the little water that they get through the rain, and being able to work together to ensure that they get the right leaders in place so that they can actually champion the cause Hmm. outside of the community, be it in Nairobi, in the national government or the county government. And do you work a lot with the government to help fill some of the needs that are going on there? Yes, the government can only do so much. We work with the community to be able to articulate some of their needs in a way that they can benefit from the government projects, government resources. So the government may want to do a particular project, but they do not have a way to engage with the community directly in a positive way and in a way that can be sustainable. So we do provide a bridge between the vulnerable communities that we work in, the very rural areas, and the government, which might be beyond their reach. Yeah. So we just ensure that they can articulate the needs that they have or be able to interpret some of the policies that the government has in a way that can help them address the challenges that they see every day or the problems that they live through every day. That makes sense. I know when we were there, just so people are aware, and I've talked about this kind of in my own journey to Kenya, but some of the, you know, water needs, you know, villagers are walking quite a ways to get water, usually from some sort of water hole that's been in Kanjooka. We were seeing places where they were getting water that was already taken by elephants or they had to scare elephants away so that they wouldn't drink their water source. But the water didn't look very good. It was water they were used to. But there was also huge nutritional needs in terms of a current drought that's going on and the ability to grow food. There just was a huge need there for nutritional foods, for better water, and for education. And I was really impressed what Choice does to come in and try to help that and really give these expeditioners, me included, a a vision of the needs over there. So 
you know, my hope is to try to, I guess, open people's eyes that, you know, poverty is everywhere. And I find it interesting that villagers are happy, probably no matter what their circumstances are. But we know that they could probably have a better quality of life if they had better water and cleaner water, better nutrition, better health care and all of those things. So appreciate you detailing that a little bit with us. As part of the choice team there in Kenya, how many members are there? How many are full-time? How many are part-time? I guess just volunteer. The choice team, the ones who are in the office, so to speak, the ones we work with, the office, the ones we work with uh, on a full-time basis in the field, we have a six who are permanent employees. Then we have five who are volunteers or part-time employees. And then we have many, many volunteers in the communities that we work through the community-based organizations that we work with and through the university that we partner with. We get interns from there who also mm. assist us in some of the projects that we do. Some of the people that you met during the expeditions actually came through that program. Okay. They are just graduated from the university and they needed um, hands-on experience within the communities, working with people in various fields. They would come with us and then we would provide them an opportunity to sort of uh, intern you know, go to the community, work directly in community development, interact with the people stationed along that theoretical thing that they've done. It's actually a practical thing that they've done. So it provides that opportunity for them. And on the community side, they have an opportunity to interact with these people. As they walk through the community, they can exchange ideas, get to expand their vision, get to see an opportunity for their own children to become like these ones who are coming from the university. So it's a give and take. We do have permanent employees. We do have part-time employees, and then we have uh, many, many volunteers who are out there trying to make a difference in the community. But That's part great. of it is also the fact that uh, unemployment is quite high in Kenya. So a lot of people get out of university, and then they sit around looking for jobs. So one of the things that has grown out of this is for people to provide their services for free to organizations and institutions so that they can at least get more experience uh-huh. as they seek an opportunity within uh, that organization or other organization. That makes sense. Well, I think it's really neat. I know when we were out there, I find it uh, it's awesome, the bonds that you make. And so when you go on any of these expeditions, and the one we went to with to Kenya, you get to know eventually the people that you came out with. You get to know really well the people of the choice team in Kenya really well. And then you also get to know the villagers really well too, as you work with them. And so, you know, you grow this bond between everybody and I think it's a really neat thing to do. And you kind of, um, I know you appreciate that when you come home as you make those connections. So I imagine it's the same as you are growing a choice team there and you're getting either interns or people that eventually become full-time if that's possible. But you also, I'm sure, are growing bonds out there as part of that. Or are you... How do you go about selecting? So we went to Kanjoka Village, a primary school there. And how are you deciding which villages need the most help? How do you decide where expeditions should go? How does that work? The selection process is a bit uh, complicated, but it's also very simple, really. The places where we work, it's usually by invitation. We started in one community and now we are about 300 villages in. So the first village where you work, you make a difference. The next village will invite you to come and assist them as well. So we've sort of been growing virally ah. through these different communities. Yeah. And our objective as choice has always been to go to the most vulnerable community, the most rural area, 
the most neglected areas where we feel that we can actually make a difference and bring them closer to opportunities that can make them have a better quality of life. So we are usually invited to these communities either through the community members themselves or the government or elected leaders will approach us and say, hey, we have this village X, they need a schoolhouse, they need X, they need Y. And then we would go there and sit with the community leaders and explain to them how choice material works, how it's not an opportunity for us to come and do anything for them, it's for us to come and sit with them and sort of figure out how's the best way to address the challenges that they identify and prioritize to be able to have a better quality of life. And the idea is that once we've done this with this village, they'll be able to share that information with the village next to themselves. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we can also move to another village and hopefully this village that we have just been working with for some time can continue on that journey of development on their own. Once they are better off or once they have some ideas, once they are organized and they can actually approach other organizations or even the government directly, to be able to receive the support that they need to be able to continue that journey of development. That's great. It seems like a lot of upfront work there. And I know you guys do a lot of legwork to get expeditioners going. And what I also love about doing these is, you know, when you work with the community or the village, it's not like Choice comes in and does, you know, all the work. It's really a, a shared responsibility between you know, choice coming in to help and the those that are in the community to really step up and, and help as well. So I guess one of the questions I have is what kind of legwork? So you've gone into a village, you've met community leaders. When do you explain to them how a choice team comes in and how that works? Like, how do you set it up for expeditioners? We do it right off the front because it's very important that we create or we manage expectations because when expeditioners come in, and most of these communities have never had foreigners come into their community. Right. They would feel that maybe you're Father Christmas. They think that you're coming to solve all their problems, you're bringing all the solutions, and uh, with your presence there, everything will be hunky-dory, uh -huh. or everything will be good. <laughs> so I was just to ensure that we have them understand that you're there to help them on their own journey. So if they have decided they want to do a particular project, you're there just to support their efforts. So first and foremost is that their effort needs to be recognized, it needs to be very clear, and it needs to be seen. And then that will help you help them be able to achieve what they want. Of course, once an expedition is on the ground, such as yourself with your uh, engineering background and with your experience in different arenas, places which are very different, you can come up with very good ideas on how they can address their water challenge. Right. So that's part of that intercultural exchange, you come and you see, oh, they have identified what is an issue. You can see what is an issue, but now it's you to now assist them address that issue. And then you share your ideas. And then we see how practical it is given the resources that they have access to and which resources we can also bring on board. Yeah. Makes sense. Definitely one of the things was on my mind was water and how to get better water or water transported. It's one thing to have clean water, but it's a, probably a whole nother thing to just have water itself and when you're running out that that can be a problem so we saw a lot of that and so yeah my engineering mind you know i wanted to see how you were making the school building i don't know if anybody cared about that but i came and recorded some of that i wanted to see some of those things because i guess my engineering mind kind of gravitates to that and my yeah. thoughts of how can we make clean water and how can we transport water how can we get water to you or kind of spinning a little bit so 
I think everyone that comes has a different expertise and all expertises are welcome to try to figure out ideas that will help the community. And you'll identify those needs as you do these expeditions. So I think you're right on there. Anything to add to that? Yeah, as you you rightly say, people come with different backgrounds, different experiences, and then we always hope to give them an opportunity to explore. So if you're a doctor, for example, and you come into the community, we would like you to go and visit the local dispensary, have a conversation with them about what they're doing, how they're doing it. And given that you are in an advanced economy, maybe there are certain things that have already come on board. Maybe there are certain solutions that are already out there that can be very useful for them in the community or something for them to consider. So we always ensure that as we have that intercultural exchange, we also have opportunities for people to explore their own skills or experience or learning to be able to exchange it with the community members, to exchange it with choice so that we can see what we can adopt, what we can bring on board. And hopefully you can also see something that will pick your mind when you get back home and be able to see how you can continue to assist not only yeah. this community, maybe even your own community when you get back. That's true. Very true. Well, Areyu, how long have you been the director there in Kenya? About uh, four and a half years. This is my fifth year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure that time has flown by. It's gone very fast. You know, with COVID in the middle there, you know, that time that you are working remotely and focus on health only. Yeah. Is there a moment or is there an expedition or a favorite moment that maybe you could share with us during your five years as a director? Has there been anything significant that you, or are they all the same? Or is there anything on your mind that maybe was a significant moment in your mind? There are a lot of uh, very touching moments, things that I take with me and carry with me. But a lot of what it comes down to is when you see that somebody has felt that your presence or your project or your discussion has actually made a difference in their lives. So starting a program and seeing somebody's mind open up, when you see somebody expand their vision and think of a better possible future, not only for them, but their family and their children, that's always great. And having joined an organization which has a long track record, from time to time you'd go into a community or you'd be in a meeting and somebody would say, hey, I was a beneficiary of a choice expedition. I went there and I met Isaac and he talked about the fact that he's an engineer. I didn't know what an engineer was, but I said, I want to be like him. And here we are 20, 15 years later and you meet somebody who says I'm an engineer because I had that interaction with an expedition or I had an interaction with yourselves or you provided me with a scholarship that allowed me to go and pursue this and that education. So whenever you meet those people and whenever you see that spark come on in a child or a parent, that their attitude has shifted, that's something that I always watch out for. That's something that always keeps the light burning late in the night. I was, you know, and I'm sure many have, and I know we have all been touched when we did our expedition and, you know, you're first working with villagers and helping them do their projects. And for us, it was building a fence out of, you know, those really thorny bushes to keep animals out and moved on to gathering materials for schools and the school and helping to build um, desks and just helping out the school. There was some definite moments during that whole thing. And it almost leads up to as you're gearing up towards the end of your expedition, really touching moments as you're serving food to children that really are hungry and to the villagers. And, uh, you know, you grow these relationships with them and it, it gets hard to say goodbye. And those moments are moments that I personally will, will always remember and uh, definitely keep you going and wanting to help. So 
I imagine you have quite a few of those as, as the director. And I just was curious about a moment or what keeps you uh, going. So thanks for sharing that with me. So we know Choice, they come in, they help build schools. They also help with classes. I thought this was a fun part of being part of Choice is that they help put on classes to help the community. How do you guys come up with these classes? How are they designed to help the community? How do you guys come up with that material? The material has been built over time. It's about experience. When you go into a community and have a conversation about why certain challenges exist. So for example, in health, you'd ask the mother why she's not giving birth in hospitals or why she's not taking the child for immunization. Then you realize that there are certain archaic cultural attitudes that are preventing them from benefiting from modern technology, from modern ways of doing things. And these classes are just meant to give them an opportunity to appreciate that certain things can change and not all change is bad. You try and tie that to their values. You try and tie that back to the vision that they have for themselves and for their children and for their community. So it's just a discussion where you're helping them try and get united behind a vision that they all have, maybe individually, maybe in little family groupings, for it to be a community effort. So that if we all do this together, if we are all in on this, then we can actually go further, we can do more, we can have a bigger impact. And these classes are just to ensure that they, so like the men who know program is to ensure that the men have a vision for their family, have a vision for the community, and then they accept the women to be a part of that effort to change the way they live. Because culturally, it's all about the man's decisions, the man to think and do everything. The woman has no voice. So you're trying to educate them to the fact that if the woman is a partner in this effort to make a difference in the family, the job is much easier then you can do more together rather yeah. than just you being the one in front, doing everything on your own. And the women are also being encouraged to have a voice, to become confident enough to get hard, to be able to articulate some of the issues that they see and think they could actually contribute towards that development effort. So we always ensure that when you're talking about the leadership in the community, the women are also included. Some of the youth are also included. The men are also there. So everybody comes on board and we are all working towards the similar goal. So those classes are just there to help them articulate their issues, be able to get a unified vision, to be able to recognize some of the potential they have within the community and how they can exploit them for the benefit of everybody involved. I loved attending those and was just in awe. I, Bevington is is a worker with choice there and he's a master teacher. I loved hearing him teach. And one of the classes that stood out in my mind as you're talking about maybe some cultural barriers to people having their wife have a voice and this, one of the classes he taught was happy wife, happy life and talked about yeah. that marriage relationship. I just thought that was a really fun class, but Bevington was just a masterful teacher there and uh, really fun to listen to. But yeah, I was just impressed with the material. They had classes for women classes for men, classes for both of them, classes for the youth, really trying to help everyone, I guess, get a shared vision to the way things could be much better and helping each other achieve their goals. So I just was curious how those were developed. Does Bevington play a big role into developing some of that material as well? I imagine all of you do. 
Yeah, he has a very great way of bringing all this information and taking all this information that people bring together and making it very bite-sized for the community. He makes it fun, he makes it very impactful and memorable, and his gestures and his words and the way he expresses himself is, is great. He's fantastic at training the community level, and uh, and he does great with the women as with the men and with the youth. He definitely has a talent in that area. Just... We left him some sunglasses. I hope he's still wearing those on his uh, bike rides. So Yes, yes, he does. It's very cool. <laughs> you look very cool Aurea this has been fun why don't you give us a taste of uh, where people can sign up if they want to go and help specifically in the Kenya area and um, you know participate in doing one of these we have uh, a central office in Salt Lake City in Utah we have the website tracymanterian.org where you can go in there will be a lot of information about all the places we work we work in eight different countries so if you're interested in South America or Central America, North America with the Navajo Nation, in Africa, in Asia as well. We have officers all working on improving the lives and the standards of living in people in very vulnerable situations in rural communities around the world. So if you go to our website, there are contact information there. Isaac, you have my email address. So if anybody wants to get in touch with me, they can email me and I'll be very happy to have a conversation with them about how we can continue to make a difference, a difference okay. in the community. Sounds great. Yes, go to choicehumanitarian.org. You can read about all other expeditions, but man, I gravitate to the Kenya one because it was a it's a good one. And um, yeah. you'll have an experience you'll always remember for the rest of your life. And maybe you want to come back and do more. But there's always ways to help. And we'll make sure we post your email if people have additional questions. But uh, and even if you want to just donate, if you feel like you want to donate to help the community that we went to, you can go to tracyhumanitarian.org and you can find a way to donate, you know, and select the village that we worked in as well. So definitely there's a lot of resources, a lot of material that you can go check out. I appreciate what the Kenya team does there. You know, as an expeditioner, I loved having you guys around. You're there to help translate. You're there to help keep people safe. It just was a, a fantastic expedition. And I just think it's a good way to go if you're ever interested in really seeing a country and knowing what uh, life is like outside of being just a tourist and really helping people. So definitely go check that out. Anyway, Rayu, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you jumping on late in the afternoon and I'm jumping on super early, but we got it to work and uh, it was fun. So thank you for doing this. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity. We also on all the social media handles, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube as well. We have some information there. And thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for having an impact in the community. They still talk about you. And I'm happy that you are still thinking about them and trying to continue to help them. Yep, I'm trying. Yep. This is my way of doing it. So something, uh, hopefully I can spread the word in, in the audience that I have. So we'll see how it goes. And civil engineers, you know, if this is, if you have felt an impact, you know, that you felt a desire to help, I think civil engineers can step in and help where they can. And, you know, engineers kind of make infrastructure around the world work. And you can have an impact on these communities, knowing how to get water from point A to point B, buildings and infrastructure, even developing clean water. There's just a huge need for that everywhere. And Kenya was no exception. They definitely need the help. So uh, you can have an impact. Go check it out. Do an expedition and uh, it'll start your journey. So, Rayu, thanks again for doing this. We'll see you next time. 
All right. Have a good day. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.